You're listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared, a podcast where we take a break from the everyday hustle and bustle to muse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of randomness. Now here's Greg and Ross. What's up, listener? It's Ross. <laughs> and it's Greg. And we're back for uh, episode two, believe it or not. And I did, I did use the singular form of listener because I want to I wanna slow roll our, our numbers here. I want to make sure I'm undershooting. So thank you, Mom, for listening. And we're back with episode two of Unmotivated and Unprepared. And I think in truest sense, we've got a couple of items here that we haven't prepared whatsoever for. I haven't really prepped Greg much for this, so this might be a bit of a bit of an interesting subject. But we're going to talk about Greg. I my bucket list is it's pretty weak. I, I don't have a lot of things on my bucket list, and I feel like you are someone who can help me fill out my bucket list, whether that's places to go, things to do, activities. Now I recognize. We might dive a little bit deeper into Ross's interests than the listeners might want to get into, but I need to fill out my bucket list. So first, I'm going to tell you the only thing that I really have on my bucket list. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. <laughs> I am a, I'm a 30-something-year-old person, and I have one thing on my bucket list, and that is I would like to go to all of the four Tennis Grand Slam events. Tennis. I've been to, I've been, yeah, I've been to the U.S. Open. I'd like to go to the Australian Open, the French Open, and Wimbledon. Okay. That's all I got, Greg. So I've got, hopefully, a long life ahead of me. Do you actually want to watch the games at Wimbledon, or do you just want to see Wimbledon? I, I, want, to go, I want to go live. I want to see some games. I want to, okay. matches, matches, right? I don't want to... I, I already now need on. to understand the obsession with tennis at this point, because it seems like such an obscure sport for you to like, because you're not a sports guy. So it's just an obscure sport. I love, I would have loved, tennis is the one sport I would have loved to play. I couldn't, I had, I had heat sensitivity problems growing up. That's a problem living in central and south Texas. I'm just going to be totally honest with people. But I love tennis, but I couldn't play tennis. So I think that's probably where it comes from. But for some reason, I do love live sports and seeing all four of those majors, seeing matches played at all four of those majors would be awesome. So I've seen one. I've got one up, but that's it. That's on my bucket list. So okay. I need your help filling out, putting some more things into my bucket list, if you will. Well, it's not a bad, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun because by adding in the, that these sporting events happen to take place around the world, you're adding in additional states that you want to go or additional places you want to go see. But it's interesting yep. that the sports is the driving factor for you to venture out of your comfort zone and go. I have to believe quietly, like that's because it's a quiet sport that you just kind of like the idea that that you just go and sit and you'd have a you know a box of Maltesers and sit and and sip on your on your sparkling water and watch this very quiet sport as people scream as the ball goes back and forth. Well, ah! like that, but I mean, yeah, like they're just like hollering, but you're right. They, you sit there and people are making noise and the judge is like, quiet, quiet, please. Quiet. <laughs> you know, they do that. Quiet everybody down. It's very peaceful. And then as it goes along, there's a slow, dull roar. But I can, nobody's bothering me. I'm just sitting there watching the match. I think there is something appealing about seeing, and maybe this ties into the bucket list, seeing 
somebody who is literally at the top of the like the best in the world. Because you'll go to you'll go to sports games, you'll go to other things. You're like that person's really good at that. But then when like when I saw Serena Williams play, yeah, at her peak, I was like, this is the greatest, arguably the greatest of all time. Top, of, no one's better. And so I think that was something for me. I was like, okay, I want to see because these are such unique places too. Because I'm not going to lie, there's the sport, but there's also the places. Right, Wimbledon, that's true, right? You Roland go to Wimbledon and you go to Australia. Yeah, yeah. You want to you go to Paris for Roland Garros. You go to Australia. Absolutely. You have, you can see the world from these places and in the process get kind of experiences along with them. I mean, tennis itself, though, tennis people are very different than other people, though. I mean, there's a bougie aspect to tennis. Oh, absolutely. I I, I want to be a part of that. It's an elite sport. I love it. Love tennis. Well, but it, Ross, you don't even wear sports coats. Like, like you're, you're not like dress up person. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing, you're right. I'm wearing a t-shirt right this now. This is a San Antonio wearing, zoo on it. We're like, we're like, <laughs> we're like recording, we're recording a podcast and you're wearing like a collared button down. Yeah, yes. yes with flowers on it. Yes. Why that's you, right. Why are you, why are you dress up for this? I didn't, I didn't dress. I'm not looking good for you. This why is you gotta, casual for me, Ross. Uh, and you know this, this is casual for me. Only in San Antonio would you make me actually go out in the world in the middle of the sun for things like Donut Fest. Would I dress up mm. in... And actually, by the way, I have that picture. I'm still in a collared shirt in that picture. Yeah. We go to Donut Fest. You're wearing a collared shirt. <laughs> I can't help it. It's a, it's a, it's a disease that my father created. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so, so tennis. But, but I mean, I think we have to look at this from a bucket list perspective of what are you wanting to achieve is it is it these things these adventures that you want to have is it like so for instance i would never put bungee jumping or skydiving or hiking mount everest or any of those things on my list of of stuff that i want to do right like on my bucket list one random thing for me is and i it falls along the same similar idea at this point now in my life i want to go to indonesia once Okay. And I don't want to go to Bali and I don't want to do the whole, like, let's go do the beach vacation. I want to go to the center of Jakarta and go listen to like Dangduk music and like actually listen to this cheesy cheese ball music that I've been listening to for the last better part of the last few years due to pandemic. So like, that's now my thing. Like that's going to be a trip so I can see these artists and I don't understand anything about Indonesian. But for me, I've been listening to it so much that there's a, there's a kinship to this idea of wanting to go there to be part of the music. What I would do in Jakarta, I don't know. Well, so that's, so you say that, that I think that's one thing for me. I want something that you can't really experience anywhere else in the world. In other words, I don't necessarily need, I guess it's, it's part of it is the place and part of it is is an experience that I can't, like, I, I will give you one thing that I think was probably on my bucket list that I was able to check off. And I didn't even know it was on my bucket list until I went there and I realized this should be something should be on everyone's bucket list. We went to, my wife and I went to New Zealand and we went to the glowworm caves in, it's on the North Island of New Zealand and I don't want to ruin it for everyone. It's awesome. But <laughs> you know, the, to the five people that are listening, you don't want to, to ruin it for. Ever, well, yeah, for you. <laughs> but I realized they're talking about, it and they're like, yeah, this is featured on planet earth. And I take a step back and I'm like, okay, anything that's featured on planet earth with you got like the awesome voiceover way better than mine and you got Dave all Edinburgh, this production. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that's done and featured there is probably something that could be on a bucket list because it's so unique. It's so inter- it's it's a wonder. You know, and I I guess that's Do a, you want to go to the Galapagos Islands then? 
Mm, might be a little bit too much nature. See, see there's some context. Yeah, here. yeah, it might be there's a little some too context much nature. This maybe New Zealand let's, thing. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start. Maybe a little more because yeah, I was. That was a that was a side I mean, trip. I didn't have to rough it for. That's right. Weeks and on also, end. you were there. You were there for a reason. It was it was a family thing. You were yeah, there yeah, for. visiting family. And, and let's and and a lot of that was going to Hobbit Town, and so that yeah. you be part of the Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, and ab- also, absolutely. Yes. And the glowworm thing was a was an additional thing that you go, wow, that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure it was on your bucket list. I'm not sure you went, oh, this is the thing I have to do in life. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. I could tell you, in, where you live in San Antonio, you can go to the toilet bowl museum. Like there's a museum yeah. of a guy who's collected I heard like, of, toilet no, seats. I think, no, I think they shut it down, man. Did I they think really? they shut it down. Yeah. I actually talked about like my wife and I talked about going and seeing it before they shut it down because it's like, that's actually, it's actually kind of interesting. But my point is it's there because you're there. It wouldn't go like, yes. I want to go yes. on vacation to San Antonio because I want to go see the toilet seats. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, like, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to pay your, that's because you're local. It's local to the right. area. So that's it's right. like a local, it's like a local place versus traveling somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Whereas like, for instance, for me to go to Indonesia, I mean, there's other things to do there, but the, the reason that I was interested in is watching a lot of these music videos from Indonesia and getting really into Indonesian music, popular music. And yeah, so there's a, there's an element of where I would like to go do that to be part yeah. of it, but it, it's not high enough on my list. That's the thing I want to do next. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. And so, so let's, so let's, let's try to go, let's keep it more city focused. Sure. So more, more, more urban focused bucket list. My goal is to get at least one to two more things added to my paltry bucket list here. Is there, cause people talk about, is it Thailand? Yeah. People well, talk about, about Thailand. What? People talk about Thailand about how, like how amazing it is. Just, yeah. Just the culture, the, the, just the food, everything. Is there like a specific thing that you go there and you see you're just like, wow, like what I can't, the- I can't get that experience anywhere. So I think there's, I think there's multiple ways to experience Thailand. I think a lot of people go to Bangkok as backpackers and they have that kind of very dense city, urban feel, and they're, mm-hmm. and I wasn't in love with Bangkok. I mean, it's okay. There's some cool things about it. It's, there are some pretty aspects of it. There's temple, the watts, and like that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, what made Thailand fantastic was going to Chiang Mai, which is Northern Thailand. The food is different. The food is a lot spicier. Um, and the, the being in the jungle with the elephants and the, I learned about rice curation and learned about like, I took a bike ride around all these little tiny villages and got to see people in local life and, and be part of that. Sure. Uh, that was a cool aspect. Now, granted, it's not my top vacation. Thailand has never been and never will be my top vacation spot. Okay. Okay. Um, because for me, I am bougie as hell, and I like to be in big, big, big industrial cities. Right. I sure, like to be. Sure. In a bit. I don't live in one for good reason. I don't want to live in New York City. Um, I don't really want to live in London. But when I go on vacation, I love to get lost in those cities and feel like because I can mm-hmm. afford for at least a week to live right in the center of everything, mm-hmm. and so I can yeah, experience yeah, yeah. everything. Whereas if I lived there normally, I'd live 45 minutes out, have to take the train in and I'd be exhausted from work and have to go home and never experience it. Right. Yeah. You would hate, you would hate the city within a month of being there. You'd like it, right. it loses all of its luster. Yeah. There's, there's vacation locations for a reason yep. that you'd like to be there, but then you want to go back home. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I guess, is there, you talk about your big city once, where is your, where's your top? I'm, I'm not going to like totally copy so, you. On, so yeah, on so places, my top, but... my top vacation spot. And I was actually having this conversation re- recently with someone else. 
my top vacation spot or my top city that I've ever gone to and thought it was the coolest place on the planet was in Hong Kong. And I, I think Hong Kong is like, it was just such a cool city. It was the marriage of East meets West and it had Western vibes, but Eastern sensibilities. And it was just a whole different place. Now I know with the Chinese takeover and all those things, it's probably no longer like it was. Sure. But, but it was probably the coolest city on the planet. And I went and I happened to do that vacation in tandem with Tokyo. And I can tell you, Tokyo is not a city for me. Interesting. It's cool. There's some cool things about it, but I was never into Japanese culture. Like I wasn't into like the exported culture. Now, granted, here's the thing. Japanese is such a iceberg culture that you only see the little tip of the culture. Mm -hmm. You never actually get to see the whole thing until you're immersed in it and you become part of it. But I was never into Japanese exports. I mean, I, I mean, I was into like some of the some of the, the animated movies. I mean, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, I did like Your Name. Some of those kind of things. But it was really more about the movie, not about the anime and the style. Mm -hmm. And I was not into Gundam and Dragon Ball Z and those things. I wasn't into Japanese game shows. And the quirkiness of Japan is, by its nature, very quirky. Yeah, and that's okay. That's fantastic. I work for a Japanese company now. Like I like, there's some cool things about Japanese culture. It just wasn't my thing, so I wasn't so super yeah. excited about. Hey, I'm going to go immerse myself in J in Japan. Um, Correct. I can say though, once I got there though, oh, I learned so much and have so much of appreciation, respect for traditional Japanese culture. But again, mm -hmm. you see so often on YouTube and other places, people go to Japan to see the video games and yes. the weird gadgets. And like the maid cafes and the rabbit cafes and the robot restaurant and all those things. And none of that stuff appealed to me. I mean, bidets appeal to me, but I don't think we're going to talk about toilet seats here. I mean, we've already no, done not, it once. I don't think we, we need to go we've that into that Yeah, we don't, need it. we don't need to circle back around to that or oval back around to that, if you will. That's that. We don't need to go there. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. I think when you look at cities, Ross, what, what I would what I would add, like what I think is for me anyway, the way I approach things that I want on my bucket list is they are because I'm so obsessed with people and sociology and people in general and, and you know, the anthropology of things. It's about what cultural pieces I'm going to experience and what part of that world I'm going to be part of and immerse myself into. Whereas that may not be what you're looking for, but I would take the same approach. Is it natural for you? Is it, is it an activity or something you can only do there? What are those things? And let's, let's talk about that. Like, what are you thinking? I think it's, I mean, I think it is somewhat entertainment in the arts. So going to London and seeing, seeing something at the West end or, you know, experiencing that. So it's, there is, a, there is an arts and a culture thing. Cause I really do. I enjoy that. I mean, one of the reasons, even in the States that I like going to new Orleans is while it's noisy and I can only do it for so long, I don't mind going to a jazz club and just listening to someone riff and play jazz music because you, you get an experience and a culture there that you wouldn't get anywhere else. And you get, you get, you get that, you get to feel that vibe. Now I'm, I'm Audi real fast because it's just, <laughs> it's just overwhelming, but, but that's something that like, okay, you talk about Hong Kong, right? Is there, is there something from a, from an experience, from an arts, from a culture thing that you go to and you're like, oh wow, this is, this is very unique and it's not something you're going to, you're going to see. You can't, you can't get it in every big city. Well, I, I think that the architecture alone of Hong Kong is very different. So, okay. so here's, here's the part of the difference. Um, 
I feel like Western architecture is just vomit buildings everywhere. Like there's no mm-hmm. rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, I want to build this Throw giant architectural behemoth for myself and just like build this thing. Um, and I know that's unfair and that's untrue. And I think there is really a lot of thought process into how you shape a skyline. And I'm not, I'm not cheapening that. I think there absolutely is a thought process in, especially in skyscrapers. But the Asians take it so much further, Chinese especially take it so much further with feng shui and how they line their buildings up and what they do. And there's a story, right, between the Bank of China and HSBC, where HSBC put these like basically cranes to bring furniture up to the building windows. They actually shaped them like guns. So it pointed at the Bank of China as if like to weaponize like their 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 oh, evil wow. because the Bank of China built their building in a triangle to basically send the light and reflect it against HSBC as if to push bad juju onto, onto HSBC. So HSBC had to retaliate. And then Bank of wow. China put this um, put this waterfall set behind it so that the water would come down so they would have good luck because water represents money flowing in. So they put a water feature behind their building so that water would come down and be part of it, right? On the um, next episode of Architecture Wars. It, yeah, I know, like, <laughs> Exactly. And it just, and then they put these different statues outside and they have different symbolization, symbolizing different um, forces at work. And that idea is very different. You're not going to see that culturally in how we do buildings. I mean, it's just, we don't care more about how big and tall a building is or how like it shapes the skylines looks. Some of these buildings are ugly as sin, man, but they serve a purpose because they're feng shui. See, I think I would enjoy just like a walking tour to learn about the architecture and the design of like a downtown Hong Kong or like an architectural kind of walk, because I don't, I don't know architecture. I I did one, I did one of those listening, listening podcast things where you go to a certain place in the city and you turn it on and they talk you through and you're like, look, look this direction and you'll see this building. It's like, it, it was actually really interesting to me. I did it in, um, somewhere in New York city. I forget, uh, any New Yorker listening to this is totally shutting me off right now because I don't know the names of it. I think it was, I think it was Midtown. I think that's one of the, you're in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. 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 I think it was in Midtown. So, but it, it was interesting. I feel like that would be something good. I'm, I'm going to jot that down and that's maybe something you could send me some ideas later on about certain cities where you could do like a walking tour that you're going to get, you're going to hear a lot. You're going to learn a lot that and just see a lot that you wouldn't be able to experience somewhere else. Well, I think that's what you're hitting on, Ross. I think I think what's interesting about I think the way that we, and it always has been, the way we've interacted with the world, is that we interact with the world from a much more intellectual lens, right? It's a very smart lens that we're looking from. I don't mean that like smart as in like other people are stupid because they want to go off-roading in a ditch full of mud. I just mean that what we what we're what you're interested in what you're going to gravitate to is probably on the much higher intellectual stimulus like rather than going to do something that's probably a lot more just active and engaged right my brother yeah yeah some people would be like some people i had i had a i had a coworker who wanted to climb machu picchu and that's what he went and did and that's a i mean if i were if i were an outdoorsy person that would absolutely be on my bucket list i'd put everest on the very last thing because i'd probably die but (laughs) that would be on my bucket list but that that's where that's where i'm like man do i need to be more outdoorsy is that what is that is that what's killing my bucket list 
let's because be, I don't let's, have those let's things. be very frank about the reality of the world we live in today. You can experience a lot of things from the internet. A, a great story about this. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a great example. And and really, this is true. True about the world about museums and why I love museums and why I think there's great things. I went to Israel, right? I went to Israel. I went to Jerusalem. I did the Tomb of the Christ. I did the whole thing. I did the whole center and did all that stuff and got to see all of these areas. They say Christ walked and whatever, right? All those places. Four months later, I'm in D.C. and I go to the National Geographic Museum and they have a VR exhibit of the Tomb of the Christ, all right? So not only do you get that, you get the experience of the other person's sweat and germs all over your face as well. So it's like four or five D experience. Yeah. yeah but you exactly, learned everything right, you right, did right, when you were right. in Israel. But yeah. it's actually was a very different experience because mm-hmm. instead of where I was kind of rushed and we were kind of in tight quarters and everybody wants to see everything. And I saw it. I mean, I saw it. I can smell it. I knew what it felt like. The VR exhibit actually gave a chance to walk around things touch things you couldn't touch before. Hmm. Uh, and it gave you that sense of history because you could dig deeper. If you wanted to learn more about certain aspects, who did the restoration, it was so much more immersive and it was actually a better experience. And while yes, I'm sitting back now, say jealously, like I, someone could say enviously, well, you only say that now that the VR exhibit is better because you've already done it. You already have it checked off your list. I didn't need it on my list. It was never anything that I had on my list. Yeah. It was something that, that that the people I was with that was on their list. For me, it was just a chance to like, I, I was there, but the learning and the experience was so much more investable in that kind of re- online experience or digital experience than it was physical. And that may not be for everybody, but I do think that's something to think about too is, is as you're approaching these experiences... Do you really need to see it in person? Is it really going to make you feel better because you went to Machu Picchu and hiked up there and saw it? Is that going to be something that you say as a medal of honor? Or is it more like, hey, I learned a lot about Machu Picchu and I've also learned I don't want to hike that damn thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it more of, God, that's so cliche. Is it more of the journey? Right. Yeah. yeah. But and but and it's it's interesting to say that though because we have so much information available at our fingertips. It's almost like that does change the whole concept of a bucket list. Because 50, 60, 70 years ago, you did have to go to that place to get a legit, maybe, maybe not, maybe that that's, that's sad that 50 years ago was the seventies. Wow. Um, but <laughs> further, I mean, I could get, a, I get the old Britannica out and look it up and read some information, but the, you know, the interactive nature, even with VR. And if you don't, if you don't get nauseous, like I do using it you still have tons of information available. And so it kind of does change it to where when you think, and maybe that's my thinking coming into this, when I think bucket list, I'm like, oh, it's got to be some sort of like activity that I do because everything else intellectually, I can learn, I can read about it. And I think you make a good point in that, but sometimes being there and like when we went to Ireland and went to the Cliffs of Moher, and saw, and you see that I was in an AC bus the whole way getting me there. Yeah. You know? So, but I heard a lot of interesting facts about the countryside of Ireland and everything else from someone who was local, by the way, who I would never read about that on the internet. Like he's telling his stories. You're hearing it from that person's point of view, which was interesting to me. And I think those are some of the more interesting like actual go somewhere, experience something in person things is more of the individual lens and the individual perspective from that person, not the cookie cutter Wikipedia 
this is recited over and over again thing. Exactly. I think, I think that's the, I mean, so as we talk about bucket list and I think we could actually, we could run this series for a long time is I know, I know people who travel for Michelin star restaurants. That's their favorite thing in the world to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Just go to Michelin star restaurants and, and experience those things. And they set up their vacations around those Michelin star restaurants. They'll say, I'm going to the here, I'm going to Napa for this restaurant. And I had to wait six months for a reservation. And I have a reservation in you know, the, the South of France for six months from then. And there are entire vacations around that. Me, I probably, and I have done, and for lots of reason, uh, I've set up, I've set up vacations for concerts, an artist. I really want to see, I will set up a vacation at one point. I'm going to Poland for the summer so I can listen to this Polish disco music. I like at one, at some point I'm going to go, I was going to go pre COVID. I was going to go to, to Poland for the summer. Polish disco. Yeah, you're going yeah, to Polska Poland. Disco, yeah. You're going yeah. to Poland for po- oh, well, at some point. At some point, so, I will go. So, so you're doing it around. You're doing it around an experience that only happens. There. I mean, I've traveled for in the states. I've traveled for concerts for right. for band for bands that I enjoy. Um, now, you know that's it's kind of one of those things you're experiencing it with. Sometimes people enjoy that. You're experiencing it alongside of thousands of other people, and some people that's the interesting part to be a part of something where you're experiencing beside thousands of people. For me, it's more, it's more the connection with the thing that I enjoy when I, when I travel to go see someone. So, but you mentioned, so you mentioned food and this, this kind of runs alongside that. And maybe, maybe there isn't, I I guess some people obviously with Michelin star restaurants have done this, but are there, I was having this discussion the other day. Do you have any food experiences that you've had that are like so unique or were, were so great? It's almost hard to describe. Yeah. So, yeah. And I could, and actually it was a weird experience and I think those are fun. Those are fun to find yourself in, but you have to be, this is where having an extrovert in your party can work out for you. Right. Yes. So, yes. So here, so here's, here's the situation that I got into. And this is part of me going back. Cause I am going to the middle East in December. A lot of this is about that that experience. Uh, I went to Dubai. I was on, on trans transit from, from San Antonio to India. And we stopped in Dubai for a few days because that tends to be a place that people stop. I've done that for Frankfurt and other places. And so it's a great luxury that was given to us. But while I was there, I was with a group of probably five or six other people. And I didn't wake up in time for breakfast with them. And by that, I was probably five minutes late to the time that they set. Well, apparently at this hotel, uh, I was not allowed in. I was not allowed to go in to the to go find my friends at the breakfast buffet that had a seat waiting for me. They told wow, me, nope, so you've got to go upstairs. Cut off time. So there was a yeah. cut off time. Oh, okay, Well, wow. they were too full and they didn't want to let me uh, in. Uh, okay. and, I, and I wasn't aggressive enough just to push past them and go sit with my friends. So I went upstairs by myself. Like and apparently it was the overflow guy. room. It's the room for the lost souls. It was like six people up there. Like all of us were just the, not the aggressive ones that fought to <laughs> yeah. fight through. It's a big giant hall right or y'all were the ones they deemed too hungry and they knew you were going to eat too much it's like no 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 no. y'all are gonna y'all are gonna clear out the good stuff at the buffet you go up there the room of the lost souls was it they need to rename it that that's great (laughs) so i went up so i went upstairs 
And and they had the same buffet, right? They had like beef bacon because obviously it's the Middle East. There's no pork, so they had beef bacon. All these different. They tried to cater to American or Western diets. They had an Asian diet, so they had like you know different things: congee for the Chinese and some dumplings and things like that. They had some you know, Japanese kind of like fish and rice type stuff. Basically, it's an international hotel, so they had all these different foods. And I went over to like what should have been the Middle Eastern section, and they had lebna, which is like uh, kind of a soft cheese. It's a made out of yogurt. It's like a, it's it's a it's just it's basically a white cream that you eat with pita bread. And they had hummus, and they had like whatever. So it was. They had a little setup, but I asked the guy, I said, is this all people eat? So the waiter comes by, says, hey, is there anything else I can help you with? I said, is this all people eat? Like in the Middle East for breakfast? And he goes, well, no. Wait for it. Wait he goes, well, for no. It. He goes, um, why? What did you have in mind? And I said, um, uh, I just wondered if there's other things. He goes, well, there is something that we serve here at the hotel, but it's usually for Emiratis. Um, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, sure. I got an hour. He goes, I was like, how long does it take? He's like, ah, probably like 20 minutes. He's like, so he says, he told me to go, he says, you can't sit here. He says, you can't sit here. I have to take you over to the windows. And I said, oh, okay. So he took me, took me around to the, to the windows far away from everyone else. So now I'm even further from the room of the lost souls. Like now I'm just a lone individual. You are now in the, table. you're, you're basically in the fortress of solitude. Let's be yeah, honest. Exactly they just point, moved right, you exactly. like this dude is going for it. We don't even know what he's going to have yet, but let's, let's, let's move this guy over here. Yeah, if it was an American place, this would have been somebody for the food contest, right? They'd put you up on a stand. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, 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 right, right, right. If you start the timer, you got 60 minutes to eat this 50-pound burger. Yeah, right. go. That's, that's kind of the, what I, I was worried at this point because they made me move, and I, and I didn't eat anything really already. So I come over. I'm like, is it a lot of food? He goes, oh, it's not, it's not too much. You'll be fine. And he comes out, and, it, and it's like a – basically, they come out with a tray with a bunch of little kind of little plates, and then they had one big tray that was steaming, that was like, looked like fajitas, right? But I didn't know what it was. It just looked like fajitas. Definitely and, wasn't fajitas. And he sets I it bet. down, and the smell is unique. Um, it's definitely different. It definitely doesn't smell like fajitas. <clears throat> and I was like, okay, cool. So um, what is this? He goes, oh, this is an Emirati delicacy. This is what this is what Emirati dignitaries take. When they come to visit our hotel and they're doing breakfasts, we want to serve traditional Emirati dish. Uh, this is camel tongue. And I was like, well, Ooh. okay. And you eat it, like you eat it as you imagine, like you would all kind of Middle Eastern food you eat with your right hand and you eat with a pita and you eat the meat and you take it and put it in all the little sauces and you've got all these different like kind of appetizer kind of things. Yeah, for flavoring. Yeah, yeah, different flavorings yeah. for it. Yeah. And it was fabulous. It was amazing. And I never would have eaten camel tongue on a menu like to order it myself. I mean, I might have, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. You would have, all you would have needed would be one other person to be like, I motion. That we have the camel tongue seconded. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's be honest. Where's my, where's You're my, true. that's so right. Greg button, right? Where's my, right? I need it. That's so Greg. That's so Greg. That's so Greg. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. So, oh, that's funny. Like the, yeah, the, no, the but, that's, but, but that was one of those experiences. And I've, I've had interesting things like that where I just kind of popped into places like in Paris and other places where you just go to, to a, you know, prefix menu or, different things. And I've had some fun little experiences that way, but nothing trumps kind of this just random one-off conversation with yeah. the waiter that he's like, yeah, no one asked for anything at breakfast. We have so much food, but all right, if this is what you want, like we'll go do it. It didn't cost anything. Like it was just, he's like, I was like, I, I just imagine a giant freezer in the back full of camel tongues. that are just waiting for Emiratis to come show up for, for it's the like, day. Oh, we got one. We got a camel tongue one. We got, let's go. It out. let's go. Start let's it up. It. <laughs> what do you think? You think they sous vide that? 
You know, is it, that, it might have been. I mean, it was, it was it was very good. It's very was dense. it grilled? Like was it grilled? Like grilled? Yeah. Like, but it was real tender. I'm a, yeah, it was I mean, tender. It, it was I don't chewy. know. Is camel tongue tender? I don't know. Like that's. It's very much this, like lingua. Like it's very much like beef okay. tongue. It's very close to that, except it's a little bit. It, it just it's a little bit of a muskier smell to it. Okay. Um, it, but it definitely is. It's a similar consistency. It's this, it's similar consistency. God, Greg, we're at we're like. 30 minutes already and we just got to camel tongue and I feel like <laughs> it's either it's either only up from here or only down from here <laughs> you know this is this is typically this is typically in the past when we would have to go to work and so yes. I, I feel like so here's what we're gonna have to do in the future maybe not next episode but in the future we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a bucket list part two because yes. I'm very interested in in the fact that it seems like a lot of these things didn't start out as a bucket list item, but by the time you finish the experience, they're like, you know what? If I were to do that, I would, I would seek that out again. Like I would seek out that whole experience, not, not the thing. And maybe it is a bit of a journey type of thing, but, and you're not going to, it's going to be unique every time. And maybe that's something about the bucket list of it's hard. Maybe it's hard for me to define one because you don't really know until you have the uniqueness of the experience. And so doing it every doing, having the same thing every time isn't necessarily going to get you a bucket list caliber item. But I think, but, but, and I agree with you and, and I think, yes, you're right. We're going to do a second one. I know you, we, we want to get off the stage and, and, and those things, but, but I would give homework out to listeners, which is, which is think about the experiences that you want to have and who you want to have them with. And in that process, how do you want that to look? The lower the expectation, the more fun you usually have. So be looking at what is the what are the minimum what are the minimums I would accept for my my adventure in the process. You tend to find yourself going much more with the flow and ending up in experiences like this, right? Had my friends not eaten breakfast five minutes earlier and then they kicked me out of the restaurant, I never would have had never it. Never would right? have experienced so. that. Okay, well you you heard it here first, folks. Professor Greg giving you homework. It's also basically his way of giving me homework and being like, next time <laughs> I said, I said, I'm prepared. You, it's in the name, but it's in the name, but next time I'll slightly prepare and think about the experiences. So um, I appreciate the, I appreciate the feedback, Greg. And until next time, thank you everybody for listening. We'll, Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Unmotivated and Unprepared. Join us again next time as we continue to meander through random topics at a pace defined by our mood, the weather, and what happened five minutes earlier. <laughs>